This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Winning is fun, but winning big is really puts us on the path of sustained long-term wins. I have the best seat in the house because I get a chance to have incredible conversations with leaders from all walks of life from all over the world. And today, it is my pleasure and honor to welcome my VIP guest, Jan Steiner. Jeanette Steiner is a former president and CEO of Thorough Packaging, an industry-leading packaging solutions company. Driven by her life's motto, if you don't make dust, you eat dust. I absolutely loved it. If you don't make dust, you eat dust. Jan scaled the company from 1 million to just under 40 million in revenue before negotiating the sale of her family-owned business in 2018 and retiring from this position. Today, Jan shares her core principles of success and business passion, inspiring and empowering other driven entrepreneurs to make dust. The name of a new speaking, mentoring, business, venture slash adventure. I love it. Welcome, Jan Steiner. Well, thank you. It's quite an honor to be with a genius such as yourself. Absolutely. Thank you. you. I'm honored. But I just want to go to a fascinating story. It's not what you did. It's how the journey started, which is really fascinating. Can you take us back to that time when you were unable to finish your formal education because you had to run a company? What a good problem to have, how you jumped in, and how you responded with flying colors. Well, I had a couple steps in between. Uh, My dad started the company right after I got out of high school. And so I was going to junior college at the time, and I really wanted to continue in the merchandising area is what I was really liking. I really liked retail sales. And retail sales are a different type of sales because they come to you. Anyway, that was I was always able to help my dad out on my after school, on my days off from school. I was also working um, part-time at Sears at the time. And so I was helping out whenever I could. And one of your other speakers just talked about going on the cruise um, semester at sea. And that is something I wanted to do. And I had actually received a scholarship for it. And when we applied further, because my dad had a business, he just started. It was had basically no revenue and no profits. I was ineligible to take advantage of that. So that was a little bit of a bummer. So you pick yourself back up and say, okay, life has all these interesting uh, twists and turns. So I landed up then getting on the executive training program at Sears, which always gave me a day off during the week, which I would go out and help my dad. And then my dad said, okay, now it's time for you to um, help me out because there was really no other funds for me to go to college anything after my junior college. So I just dove in and it was a very small company and it was a one girl office. That was me. I was the one girl office. And I learned a lot at that period of time. I learned by people coming in, how they would treat me as the receptionist, 
that was a, a real key. And that is definitely something that I brought further when I took over as the company and how you're going to, how our salespeople are to treat the receptionists. And I just focused on trying to be the best company that we could be in our marketplace. We made folding carton packaging. If you can see this, I'm showing you a picture of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did confections uh, on the West Coast, these candy boxes, high-end cosmetics. We did pharmaceutical packaging. And we were able to slowly grow, 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 and grow into a different niche. The most recent niche that we really brought in was the cosmetics and what we were able to do with that. And it took specialty equipment. This is a capital intensive. It's a very capital intensive industry. Mm -hmm. And so because I actually helped my dad one time, I helped Thorough, I was doing the books so I could see exactly what was happening. And we didn't have enough money for payroll. And I had like a, a few hundred dollars in my savings account. And that's all I had. I went and closed out my savings account and I brought it to my dad. And I said, here, now we can make payroll. And it was shortly after that, that my dad gifted me some shares. So he also had some other small shareholders and a 25% shareholder. So eventually I was able to buy all of them out and continue to grow the company in a very capital intensive business. And by doing that, I lived a very conservative lifestyle, a good lifestyle, but a very conservative lifestyle for years. Uh, our printing pressman made more money than I did, but that's okay because I was wanting to invest in the future. I saw this as an opportunity for the future. And one of the first driving things for me was uh, my dad told me when my dad's health failed very early on in life, he told me to go get involved with a local trade organization. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I was the only woman and there were other gentlemen and they were all about my age. They were the sons and one of them and their businesses were much bigger than ours and had been established longer. And one of them said to me, what are you doing here? Hmm. And as I recall saying, well, my dad has no sons. And I left there and I said, I'm going to prove to them Mm -hmm. a woman can do this. And that was my driver Uh, all those years. I wanted to prove to them that a woman could do it. And I've been very blessed with working with employees, trying to develop a a team atmosphere at the company and doing a lot of things like that. I love that positive energy. I want to go back and focus a little more on that part of the story when you were the secretary, the admin person. And the way you were treated, you, instead of making that a negative, you used that as a training moment to help your salespeople. Tell me a little bit more about how you translated a negative feeling into a winning thing for the company. Well, one of the things that I started right at the very beginning when I was taking over was having a Christmas promotional. I like the idea of a Christmas promotional because from multiple reasons. One, we were able to show off our expertise like this is a promotional that I'm showing you right now is something that we came up with. So every year we did a, um, a promotional package with chocolate in it. I love chocolate. Mm. And the idea was that you didn't just give out one present to the purchasing agent or to the president of the company, but that you went and gave out multiple of these 
throughout the company. You gave it out to the receptionist. Hmm. That person could block you or could help open that door. We gave it to their design department, their structural design department, their marketing department. We would, there were companies that we would give out 10, 20, 30 of these and distribute it throughout the company. That was one of the things I said. I wanted to make sure that the receptionist wasn't just ignored. That receptionist is an important part of the company. And what I love about is the equality that you are looking at every person from the receptionist to the design department to any other place, giving them the exactly the same gift to show equal respect to every person. We also had our truck driver give them to the uh, receiving people wow. at their docks. So what are, you know, your modesty is really amazing. And I just, you know, being a dad person, I have a 27-year amazing daughter. Of course, many a time she acts like she's 55. I want to do a little shout out for your dad is if you go back in time, even though you're talking about this to be a small business, you know, a $1.3 million business is something to be proud of. Okay. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, but what is to be as a dad, I'm talking about your dad must be very proud is you took that business to almost 40 million a year. So what were some of the key things that you did and some of the key things that you didn't do that made you so successful? <laughs> well, my dad passed away uh, many, many years ago, but I do believe he, he watches over things. One of the things, though, that used to drive me crazy about my dad is my dad believed in you do things one way, his way. Mm-hmm. And after working under that for so many years, well, hey, I have a good idea on that, too. So I was really big on asking the employees, what do you think? We have a challenge here. I would get the group together, whether it was a scheduling challenge, whatever it was. What can we do? How can we figure this out? Mm -hmm. And we had some of the best ideas. And it was really the beginning of when a lot of the uh, quality things were becoming very popular. And it was a really good program for us. We would even ask some of our customers if we could take a group of people, of our employees, down a field trip to see their fulfillment operation, to see if we could come up with. So for one thing, they would be able to see how our packaging is being used. And then almost every time we were able to come up with some ideas for that company that was going to be something that would make it more effective for them. Mm -hmm. So I believe in whenever possible to have win-win scenarios. Mm -hmm. And those were definitely win-win. And it was win with the employees. It was win with our customers. And it was uh, just a beautiful win-win. And you'd walk away from those meetings feeling good inside. So, you know, to me, when you talked about your dad and my way, of course, you know, if you talk to my daughter, you know, we dads are a little goofy at times. She loves to talk about 15 ways her dad is goofy too. But what I love, Jan, is the common thread when you talked about the secretary, the feeling when your dad talked about, you know, uh, or used to live the my way. And of course, you know, that was needed in the early phase of the business to go there. You take all these things and you flip them into something positive, something bigger. So what is your secret when you feel 
the little bit of disrespect as the secretary or your way was not being listened to. Like, how do you turn these things where many of us would just sit back and put band-aids on these and, you know, want empathy? You're just flipping these into something positive. Like, what's your secret to turn things into positives? Well, first, I would probably go, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And okay, how can we make it better? How, what, what can we do? And mm-hmm. just put it in the subconscious of my mind mm-hmm. and to see what would be able to come out. And I have a strong faith and I really believe that that has helped um, me come up with a lot of these ideas too and with other people. And being able to share with other people and say, hey, what do you think about this? And I had a, a board of directors at the company. And it was a fiduciary board that I inherited. However, I was glad I had that because uh, I was able to go over some of the things with them. And I would have to be able to convince myself that it was the right thing before I could go forward and present it to the board. Mm-hmm. Because I was in a, a business where new equipment is exciting. You know, it's being able to get the newest type of equipment out there. And, and I get real excited about wanting to get something. And then I realized if I couldn't sell it to myself to be able to sell it to the board, it wasn't going to work. It was more of an I thing instead of what the company really needed. I love that. And to me, living it first, and that's the part where this again takes me back to a conversation I had with Lane Cardwell, one of the coolest human beings I've met. and a rock star in hospitality. He talked about when he hired somebody, he never hired a person unless he was ready to work for that person. Mm-hmm. The same way, you know, I'm just connecting the thread back to if you are not being able to sell that, you don't get excited about it. Think for a second, Jan. So many times you and I go to a restaurant and we ask the server, what's your favorite? And the server has no clue. I just work here. You know, it doesn't work. Like if you are there, if you don't get excited, like that comes to be part of the job. So now let's move to this incredible sent, you know, statement of yours about making make dust. What, where is this concept of make dust come in? I actually had an employee that moved out of Southern California up to Oregon, and there was a airline at the time, and they had a big poster, and there envision these cowboys going up over this ridge and it said on the bottom if you don't make dust you eat dust and the employee rolled up that poster and mailed it to me and said I saw that and that was you and I needed to send this to you Mm -hmm. so that was hung up framed and hung up on my wall until the colors leached out of it in time and then I had it painted on the wall And that was my driver, because if you don't make dust, you eat dust. How do you be a leader? Mm -hmm. And the name of the company was Thorough Packaging, named after thoroughbred horses. So it was the horse theme as well. But being a leader, how do you be a leader? You have to think all the time of how to be the leader. And you want your employees to be able to think about how do we be the leader? How are we going to be the leader? How are we going to differentiate ourselves? I would say anybody can buy, anybody that has good credit can go ahead and buy the equipment. It's the people that make the difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is fascinating is a lot of people talk that people make the difference. Like I'm yet to meet a leader who says my people don't count. 
But what's unique about you is the walking the talk, because if you look at in the last 14 minutes of our conversation, you have given credit to your dad, you have given credit to the drivers, you have given credit to your sales team, your board. So to me, I think that is so important is this whole living, putting people first. Now, in this journey, I would bet incredible amount of people were fortunate to work with you. What is the one story that stands out about you making an impact in a team member's life that makes you feel very proud of your journey? Well, as you're saying that, we were buying some new finishing equipment called gluers. Because mm-hmm. you print the boxes with a printing press and then you die cap them and you anyway, and then the final step is you glue the boxes. And I felt it was time to make a major improvement in our finishing department. So I wanted to go and look at a big trade show, which was in Germany. So I spoke to the head of the department and I chose um, the head of the department and a glue machine operator and one of the packers on the line. And I said, you guys want to go to Germany with me and help us pick out the right equipment? And what a trip that was. Mm. I mean, trip, you could say that in a couple of different ways. <laughs> it was so exciting. And then when we were there looking at the equipment, the packer, we were talking about certain things. And one of the options, the operator said, oh, I, we don't really need that. And the packer said, oh, do you know how helpful that would be? Got, got, got. And we bought that option. And they helped design the piece of equipment that we got. That's what came to my mind right now when you asked. And yeah, a wonderful trip to Germany to take them and me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you added yourself too. So that's really fun. So if you had to go back and redo the whole journey, is there anything that you would do differently? Oh my gosh, I'm sure that there are several times I look back at things and I had wished I had done things a little bit different. However, every boo-boo or thing that you make that isn't maybe the best decision is a learning Mm -hmm. uh, experience. So there were a couple of things that I did that I am kind of uh, ashamed of little things that I, yeah, I oversaw and let happen. However, I made sure that nothing like that ever happened again. Mm -hmm. So it was a total learning opportunity. And I think it was because I hadn't completely thought through that decision. Mm -hmm. When you're making decisions, sometimes you don't have all the answers. And I didn't have all the answers. And so the note to self was ask more questions next time Mm -hmm. so that you can get the right answer. Yeah, that's the the biggest thing. And you know, when you talk about boo-boos, and I love that word. And, (laughs) you know, one of the things, principles I live by is no regrets, because nobody can tell me or you, you should have done this differently. Because yesterday, what Jan did or what Arjun did, we played with our heart out. We did the best we could. Not a single Mm -hmm. time did we hold back. Knowing that left is the right place to go, we went right. We did the best we could. Of course, everybody can get better. And that whole thing about no regrets, I really think I love that concept. And I love what you're talking about is the moment you're looking at your goal, seeing the boo-boo is immediately, what can I do to make it better in future? 
So if you, in that spirit, could go back and talk to young Jana, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jan coming out of junior college, what would be one piece of advice you would give to that young professional? Think things through, ask for, make sure you try to get both sides of everything. And I think that's what I started doing more and more. That's why taking these employees to Germany. So I didn't get just one person's opinion. I got other people's opinion so that we could make the right decision because these were expensive pieces of equipment. Mm -hmm. And um, my last printing press I bought was like um, $7 million. I say that's the day that my deodorant quit. <laughs> happened to go over that contract. <laughs> But I knew it was the right decision after thinking about it very clearly, getting everybody's opinions and making sure it was the right thing to do. You can also get stuck in waiting and making sure you get too many opinions. So you really have to, in my opinion, mm -hmm. get your trusted advisors, the one that you really trust the most and you really believe that their input is sincere and that they don't have an agenda behind it mm -hmm. and get their input and then be able to make that decision. Because if you wait too long, you can, there's, what is that term paralysis with? Um, analysis, analysis. Paralysis. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't want that to happen either because that way you can't stay ahead of your, of your competitor. So one day, one of my competitors who was much bigger than us, um, he said to me, he said, I saw you getting ahead of us and I had to correct that. So he went and bought the same equipment we did, mm. but that's okay. <laughs> so for you to have a sustained success over the years and that too, you you know kept increasing the revenue as you started going through. Are there any processes that you're comfortable talking about? Like what's the first thing professionally work-wise that you do when you start your days? What's the last thing that you do that you're comfortable sharing? Okay. Well, I try to exercise every day when I get up. I try to either take a walk. Today, I did. I took a three-mile walk. and Or sometimes I walk and do some exercises or I do one or the other. It kind of gets the brain going. When I'm doing walking, I do like a walking meditation. Mm -hmm. um, I can't sit still to do a regular meditation. I'm sure you can, but I have not been able to successfully do that. But there is a walking meditation so I can clear my brain, do the deep breathing and walk at the same time. So I do that. And then with every meal, I sit down and I don't care who I'm with, I be thankful. And I do it. I ask people, is it okay if we be thankful? Um, we have so much to be thankful for. And it could, you know, our help, I don't make it long, but just being able to be appreciative of what we have. We have so much to be appreciative of. Mm -hmm. of our health and, and especially health and during these challenging times. And then um, when I go to bed, I, well, I say my prayer, my Lord's prayer. And then I think back of all the positive things that have happened that day. And usually I don't get very far and I fall asleep. <laughs> but then if I wake up, then I go, okay, where did I leave off? You know, because to think of the, the good things that have happened, because there's so many good things that happen every day, people you run into, people you get to talk to, new people you get to meet, conversations you get to have. Yeah. And, you know, to me, you remind me of Tom from the organization Halftime. I met him over lunch today. And what was incredible was how positive this human being is. He traveled from Dallas to Houston to meet me. Oh, uh -huh. And 
the question that he asked me over and over is, what can I do for you? What can I give you? Okay. There was no sales, nothing like that. And so that positivity of a human like Tom really hits hard. So this is a fascinating conversation. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about your work that you, you know we have not talked already? Just make sure that you associate with positive people. I think that is so huge because for myself and some of my friends that I know, we can do a good enough job beating ourselves up. We don't need to get it from other people. So, I mean, if somebody that you trust can give you some some constructive criticism, that's fine. And that's welcome. Mm-hmm. But to be around people that are just like, oh, all oh, this or oh, that. I choose not to. I choose to be around people with good hearts mm-hmm. and people that are open and enjoying life. That's what I do. Wow. And I think that's you can accomplish so much more in life. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you again. Thank Jenny you Steiner, for a great conversation. Very fascinating. Yes. And the message, if you don't make dust, you eat dust, will stay with me forever. Thank you all for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun. And it would be truly a pleasure to bring you another episode with another leader from another walk of life real soon. Happy listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Seng, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.